0: You may have noticed uh, Pastor Brian is not in a robe uh, this morning. He's actually worshiping with his family. Um, sometimes we take that for granted, just the Sabbath rest that we have to be able to just sit back and worship a pastor that has to work more than just one day a week, uh, contrary to popular opinion. Uh, but we had the opportunity this morning to have uh, Ryan Sear uh, preach the word for us uh, this morning and give Pastor Brian a break and uh, also have the opportunity to share with uh, the gifts that God has given us, and so Ryan has uh, studied in seminary and has this uh, the gift of uh, working through the word and we have the opportunity and excited to hear from uh, Ryan this morning, so Ryan can preach for us. Thank you Thank you uh, If you will grab your Bibles and and start turning towards Genesis chapter nineteen. Um, I do have a few comments that I want to make before we actually read the passage. But if you'll go ahead and head there now, I'll make those. And there's two things that I want to treat before we actually read the passage. Uh, the first one is um, as you'll see from the title of the sermon, The Gospel According to Lot, first thing we need to do is answer who is Lot? Um, he has been introduced before this chapter in Genesis, and we, we want to have a little bit of that in mind. And the second thing is, is, for this passage to make sense, it's really important to see what comes right before it at the end of, of Genesis 18. So I just want to make a few comments about both of those, and then we will we will get into reading this morning's passage. To answer who Lot is, he is he's the nephew of Abraham. We are introduced to Lot in the exact same place where we are introduced to Abraham when we find out that he is the son of Abraham's deceased brother, Haran, or Haran. and um, it, it seems that upon the death of Lot's father, Abraham kind of takes him under his wing. We see that Lot leaves the, uh, the rest of the family when Abraham does to sojourn. And, and Lot goes with him until a time when both Abraham and Lot have become so successful and so prosperous that they're unable any longer to live together. And at that point we see that, that Abraham and Lot, they meet and, and they've decided that they need to separate and Abraham gives Lot the choice. He says, look at the land and choose which way you will go and I will go the other. And at that point, Lot, looking over the land, he sees the Jordan Valley, and he sees that it is fertile and that it is, it is a place where with his herds and his possessions he can be prosperous. And he takes off and he goes into the, the land of the Jordan Valley, which includes the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he, and he goes and he dwells in, in the city of, of Sodom, and we see that Abraham... Takes, takes the other route, and he, he does not go into the fertile land, but they separate. And then we don't, we don't hear a lot, sorry for using that, that phrase with the, his name being Lot, we don't hear much more about him except that in, in Genesis 14 we see that the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah are at war and they're defeated, and Lot is carried off as a captor, as a captive, sorry, um, and Abraham takes his men and he he goes and rescues Lot. And he rescues all his possessions and brings them back. And, and Lot returns to Sodom. And then we haven't heard from him until this passage that we come to this morning. The second thing that I wanted to outline for us is what is going on in Genesis 18 that really sets the scene for what is going to happen here. And that is that There have been three angels, or men, or messengers that have come to meet with Abraham, and their primary task was to tell Abraham that the promised seed, his son Isaac, was going to be born within a year. But before they take their leave of Abraham, we see God pause and say, should I tell Abraham what I'm about to do? And in God's wise counsel, he he decides to share that with Abraham, what he is about to do. And he says, I am going in to the valley, and I'm going to destroy these wicked cities. The outcry from them has become great, and it is time for judgment to be exacted. But then we see Abraham begin to intercede for the cities, and certainly we assume that part of what he is trying to intercede for is Lot. He knows that Lot is still there. But Lot begins, or Abraham rather, begins to to reason with God and he says, you are a just God and you surely will not destroy the righteous alongside the wicked. He appeals to God's own character and he says he does not deny that the cities are deserving of this punishment. He does not deny that God's justice Demands this punishment to be meted out but he does reason with God with his own character saying you will not destroy the righteous along with the wicked and he begins by saying if you find 50 righteous would you destroy the cities God says for 50 righteous I will spare the cities and he continues he said what, what if five fewer than that are found and, and we marvel at his boldness but he continues until he gets down to saying, if you find ten men, will you destroy the cities? And God says, for ten men I will not destroy the cities. And then we pick up with our passage in Genesis 19. These, these men, these messengers, take their leave of Abraham, and we pick up with, with chapter 19. And this is a long chapter. I am going to read it all the way straight through, so please give your attention to God's word. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people, to the last man, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to you, and it is a little one. Let me escape there, is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulphur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities, and all the valley, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the valley, and he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up. Like the smoke of a furnace. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Now Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the valleys with his two or in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters, and the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, Let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, humble us before your word this morning. Send your Holy Spirit to work faith in our hearts as we engage your revelation. Make us to tremble at your holiness. Cause us to recognize, confess, repent from, and flee from our sin. Rebuke us for our carelessness. Strip away all that competes with you for our affections and trust. Place your salvation before us that we may cherish it more each day. Drive us to Christ by this your word. Amen. As we begin this passage, we see that, as I said in Genesis 18, we have three angels. And we, we confess and we think that one of them would have been uh, a pre-incarnate representation of Christ. But as we come to Sodom, only two of them show up at the gate. And and these these two men or angels, as though the the passage goes back and forth between calling them angels or men, and, and the word in Hebrew for angels can also be termed messengers. And we certainly see that they have a message for the city. But they, they come and they enter the gate and, and Lot is there at the gate. And Lot meets them, and and as soon as he meets them, he bows down to them, and he, he offers to them hospitality, and he says, "Come to my house this evening. Stay with me this night, and you can wash, and eat, and you can leave in the morning." And and they they refuse. The angels are like, "No, we are we're here on a mess on a mission. We are going to stay in the town square." Of course, we we think back to the the context with Abraham they are looking to see if there are even 10 righteous but lot lot prevails upon them he, he begs them he earnestly convinces them to to come and spend the night with them and we see that that lot does this in all likelihood because he he fears for their safety he knows that the reputation of the city of, of Sodom is well deserved. Um, in, earlier in, in Genesis 13, we are told that Sodom, the men of Sodom were wicked. That it was a wicked city. And Lot knows that, that it is not safe for them to be in the city square that night. So he, he earnestly convinces them. He begs them to come and, and stay with, with him. And, and he, he's successful. He prevails upon them. And they, they agree to go to his house and he gives them food, and he allows them to wash and just Just as they are about to to turn in for the night, um, the scene turns, and we we are given a very graphic example of of how deserving the city was of its reputation. Um, he has They have just enjoyed this meal and. And then we find that the men of the city have surrounded the house. We see that, that really it is a mob that has formed outside of Lot's house around the city, and they demand that these guests be brought out to them, that they may know them. And I, and I hope that we don't let the, the brevity of this story um, cause us to, to quickly skip over how terrifying and how terrible of a situation this was. We've, we've seen video, we've seen footage of mobs and the destruction and the violence that they, that they create and, and we see that that is exactly what is going on here um, and this passage is really pushing us to to see the the wickedness of these men we're trying to drive at the thoroughness of the bestial nature of this city as we think in Genesis there's there's a theme that runs throughout even starting all the way back from Genesis 3 15 where we we see kind of the first announcement of the gospel we see a separation between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman in this city represents in a very real way the seed of the serpent or even the seed of the line of Cain who is, who is a murderer. And we, we see that in, in that it explains to us that the young and old are there. It, it says that all the men of the city have turned out for this wicked deed. and And not that we should think that every single man in the city is now outside Lot's house, but everyone is represented. This is an accurate representation of the spiritual nature of the city of Sodom. This is not hyperbole. This is not an exaggeration. These people are that wicked. This is These men are well described by Romans 1, where they have been turned over to the lusts of their flesh. They have been given over to their sinfulness. And we see this is what it leads to. This is where it tends. They they typify those who reject God and those who wage war against God, against his chosen, and ultimately against his anointed. And this scene has many things to teach us about sin. The first that I want us to see is that sin is crafty. These men, even though it's a mob, they come to the door and they say, bring in these men out that we may know them. And we, of course, as we're familiar with the Old Testament, we know that this word is a euphemism for for sexual relations. But we shouldn't jump there immediately they, they certainly could have come and been much more upfront and honest and expressed their true intentions for violence and sexual immorality, but they don't. They, they use this word that can at least imply some subtlety. They're trying to be deceptive. But we see that Lot is not deceived. We see that Lot knows what their intentions are. And, and thus begins uh, a back and forth with Lot where at one moment we, we want to praise him and then at the next moment we, we shake our heads and are so frustrated with him and just how do you, how do you have this inconsistency in your life because in the presence of this dangerous mob he steps outside the door to rebuke them he comes out and he says my dear brothers do not act so wickedly the courage that it took in the face of a mob to, to go outside the door, you would think you would be barricading the door, hoping that they don't tear it down. But he steps out and he says, Brothers, do not act so wickedly. But then just as we are ready to praise him, we see that he offers an alternative that is sinful and is and is wicked in what he does, and he offers to give his daughters in place of these guests. There, there is no excuse for that. We, we see that he likely is afraid, and maybe he has imbibed a little bit of the reasoning of the city. So at first we see that, that sin is crafty. It is deceitful. The second thing that we see is the way that it hardens men. He comes out and he gives these men a very gentle rebuke. He calls them brothers, and he says, do not act so wickedly. And in biblical terms, this is a very gentle rebuke. And I think the the greatest rebuke we see in Scripture is when when John calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers. And, And certainly, that is what Lot could have done, but he comes out and he says, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. But their reaction shows how hardened by sin they are. They look at him and they go, Who are you? You are a stranger. You are an outsider. You do not belong here and you are trying to judge us. How dare you? And their response is that we will do worse things to you than what we were going to do to these men. Their fury, their anger and wrath is about to be poured out upon Lot because he has called them out for their sin. Sin hardens men rather than responding to rebuke with repentance and faith and humility it causes them to rage all the more and they are pressing in upon lot and and in all accounts we should assume that lot is done for he has no hope it is a mob he cannot fight a mob but then we see the door to the house open the angels reach out they grab lot and they pull him in and in the process they frustrate the plans of the men of the city They rescue Lot out of the hands of the seed of the serpent. They rescue Lot out of the hands of sinners, out of the dominion of sin in a very real way. This is Lot's first rescue. We see that he was in danger due to sin and the power that it has over men. And and even in this case, we learn something more about sin in the fact that These men being struck with a blindness, being struck in such a way that they are unable to find the door, they don't give up their sin. They still do not repent. They still do not become humble in the presence of this. But the passage says that they wear themselves out looking for the door. They still fully intend to to have their wicked lusts satisfied. It really is shocking when we see in such a form the, the way that sin that this, this really describes as Paul uses that statement of calling the sinfulness of sin. This, this portrays that so well that even in the face of, of being struck with some miraculous blindness they, are, they don't give up. But as I said, we see this first rescue of Lot from, from the men of the city. Turning next, we see that Lot is then rescued from the judgment of God. The, the angels finally tell him what they are doing in the city. They have come to announce judgment against the city. They have come to actually exercise to perform the judgment against the city. And they tell him, quickly, up, gather your loved ones and and flee. And Lot, he quickly responds in faith. He believes them. He believes that the city is is worthy of this judgment. He believes that God is just and will exact the judgment. And he believes that he hears it in faith, and he immediately turns and goes and tells his sons-in-law, flee, the city is about to be destroyed. But his announcement is met with unbelief. His sons-in-law think that He's joking. They they can't imagine that Sodom is going to be destroyed. He has to be, he has to be joking. But time is of the essence. He doesn't have time to continue to reason with them and to try to convince them. The angels tell him that it is time to go. It is time to flee. The judgment is coming. So Lot is there, and and yet... As he received the message in faith, we, we then see that he hesitates, he lingers. And then we see the part of this passage that, that I just love and that the angels, they don't continue to reason with Lot. It says that they grab his hand, they grab the, the hand of his wife, and they grab the hands of his two daughters, and they take them to the edge of the city to safety. It is the picture of a father or a mother reaching down for the hand of their beloved child who is in danger and who has been given warnings but is not acting with sufficient or proper fear and belief. They don't sense the gravity of the situation. They don't sense the danger that they are in. But the father or the mother, they grab them by the hand and they pull them to safety. That's the picture that we have here. And then... Again, as we saw Lot respond in faith to the message, then we see him negotiate where he's going to flee to. And, and he's like, I just want to go to this little city. Don't send me to the mountains or the hills. And, and I, don't, I don't entirely know why he's afraid of the hills, what is there that he fears. But he says, let me go. Let me just escape to this little city. And God in his patience lets him. He says, go. Go there quickly. I cannot destroy it until, destroy the valley until you have made it. And so he flees there. And we, we see the folly of this. We see this as we look upon it, removed from the situation. We see how foolish it was. But then we must also confess that sin has made fools of each and every one of us. And it is good to see this in such a way that is presented here that we see that if we could look from the outside in, how foolish our sin would appear. And so they make it to the city, and God begins to rain judgment upon the cities. Or he, They make it to Zoar, and he begins to rain judgment upon the rest of the valley. And, and upon making it there, we see that his wife looks back, disobeying directly the angel's message to not look back, and she is immediately turned to a pillar of salt. We don't know what caused her to look back, but we know that she she was disobedient. And God chose in that moment to exact judgment and punishment upon that sin immediately. He has shown great patience throughout this whole passage, but we see that in this case he shows that it is proper and just for him to exercise his judgment immediately if he so chooses. So then... God rains down his judgment, everything in the valley is destroyed, and then we, we flash back almost to Abraham. Abraham had been interceding the day before, and he gets up early and he rises and he goes to see what has become of his prayer requests. Did God find ten righteous? And he's greeted with the smoke rising from the destruction. And and We have no reason, we have no proof that that Abraham ever knows if Lot was rescued. We don't know if Abraham ever knew that his intercession was successful. Lot was rescued, it was successful, his prayers were heard, but we don't know if, if Abraham ever finds that out. But for our benefit, we see the value of intercessory prayer. And then after we have hit... Really, the high point and we're we're excited and we feel great we see god 's mercy and, and just or mercy and compassion and saving lot um, out of out of the destruction making the distinction between the the wicked men of the city and lot then then we have this story appended at the end of it that just it causes us such um, grief as we see that he he finally decides that he he shouldn't have he shouldn't have negotiated with God he should have just gone to the hills where he was supposed to be in the first place and yet we see that even there he doesn't end up being safe we see that Lot's carelessness and the foolishness of his daughters lead to probably Lot's greatest shame through this whole story as Lot actually becomes drunk two nights in a row and ends up becoming the father of his own grandchildren And and we ask why why is this here? And we get a little bit of a hint of it in the fact that it names the two sons that are given. And we'll see throughout the Old Testament that these two peoples will be they will be enemies of of the line of Abraham of of Israel. And the, the people of Israel are not to be um, are not to interact with them, they're not to intermarry with them but we do see an exception to that. Hopefully, as we look at the name Moab and the Moabites, there's at least one character that comes to mind. She has a whole book in the Bible named after her. Of course, I'm thinking of Ruth. And even in this horrible sin, we see that God brings back the line of Lot into into the genealogy of Christ. And hopefully that starts to point us forward to what, why this is included. Lot was saved temporarily from the wickedness of men, from the seed of the serpent. He was saved temporarily from the judgment of God that was exacted against Sodom and Gomorrah. But we had to look for something more. We have to be looking forward to Christ, to the one who comes to to the one who, who on a night in the dark was greeted with a mob who arrested him, who could have called down angels to rescue him from them, but he didn't. He bore the fury and the wrath of the seed of the serpent, of the seed of man. He took upon himself everything that they had to give in his crucifixion. He came, and he is the one who doesn't Escape from God's judgment for sin, but actually bears it. We see that these two, um, these two scenarios that Lot was rescued from point us towards what we need to be rescued from. We need to be rescued from sin and from the seed of the serpent and from all his power that he exercises against God's, God's chosen. And we need to be rescued from the very judgment of God Himself. And these point us towards Christ with that little clue of of the name of the Moabites being included in there. We see that our own sin entangles us and causes us to be careless and to hesitate when we should flee to God for safety. And ultimately, this passage directs our attention toward the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, who will defeat the seed of the serpent and will share all the benefits with those who place their trust in him. He will be our rescuer, and he shelters us from the judgment of God by bearing it himself. We must just trust in him and believe in him and follow him as he takes our hand and leads us to safety. Let us pray. Father, we praise you that you are a God who saves. We praise you that you have saved us from the dominion of sin. We praise you that you have saved us from your judgment of sin. Lord, we praise you that you bore our transgressions. May we learn from this passage completely to trust in you. Teach us ever to be watchful, to live in praise and thanksgiving for having been saved. And we pray for anyone who is yet to trust in you. We pray that you would reach out, grab their hand, and pull them to safety in you. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be our intercessor who is better than Abraham. May all praise be to you. Amen.